You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk covering every team in the NHL. New episodes every Monday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Hello, hello, and welcome to episode 74 of the Tip of the Iceberg, brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Nick Berlansky, and I'm joined, as always, by Nick Horwat. We have a pretty good show for you guys today. We have an interview with the co-creator of the Hockey Podcast Network, Isha Jerome, joins the show to talk the origin story of THPN, as well as a little bit about playoff hockey and the Minnesota Wild, who he covers on the Soda Pod here on the Hockey Podcast Network. And then, of course, we're also going to talk about the big trade that happened, Penguins acquiring Kasperi Kapanen from the Toronto Maple Leafs in a six-player trade that also included a single draft pick. We'll get into all of that. But before we wanted to start, we have, of course, one thing that we really need to talk about before we do anything hockey-related. Late last week, the NHL players made the decision to step off of the ice and stand in solidarity with the Black Lives Matter movement. This, of course, comes at the heels of the shooting of Jacob Blake. You should know his name. You should know all of the names by now. And the latest in a long line of instances of minority people being abused by police officers. I think I speak for both of us here on the tip of the iceberg when we say on this podcast, we stand with those who want to see change. And, and we really want to see instances like these cease to happen, not only just in the United States, but in the entire world as a whole. We, we here really, really want to see this change hopefully start to happen, in, especially in the country of the United States, where it seems like it's happened more frequently as time has gone on. Personally, I would also like to say that I stand for police officers as well the ones that at least do honor their duties to protect and serve the right way. Uh, as somebody who has several close friends who are police officers, it does hurt me to see them and their careers vilified due to a seemingly very, very broken policing system. We understand that there are good police officers out there, but it comes to a point where you can't have bad police officers in a line of duty like that. We know that it's hard, but it's something that we need to fix the policing system in the United States. I mean, America right now is more divided than ever, and the only way forward is understanding. My hope is that through that understanding, this country can come together, educate ourselves, which we've already mentioned before is the big important part of this, improve and begin to move forward instead of backwards for once. So Horwat, uh, I know I, I said a lot there. Um, your thoughts on the NHL and the events of this past week. No, you're good. I couldn't have said it better myself. You put it all perfectly that we both obviously want to see change and we do understand that uh, police men and women's their job is hard. You just got to make sure that they're, they're all doing the right thing. It's good that change seems to be happening in a way. Um, it sucks that this is the way it has to happen, that people have to go through losing their life or losing loved ones and going through this shit. But I didn't prepare too much just wanted to say like you said it all so far and when it comes to the NHL and their reaction to it it seemed off at first whenever they were still playing games whenever the NBA said they weren't going to play and a couple of MLB teams said they weren't going to play 
not the entire MLB, but it was you know the NHL continuing on as business as usual for a day, and then the next day they shut it down. And I thought statements that the West Coast or the Western Conference, their press conference, I thought that was exactly what the NHL needed from the standpoint of how this has been going. It's People felt like they dropped the ball the first time this was all happening, you know, a couple months ago. It seemed like they were about to drop it again this time, but they recovered enough to, you know, take a few days off, reflect, learn. And that's all everyone else has to do is just reflect, learn, and know what's right and wrong. I think I said that almost verbatim last week. Know what's right and wrong whenever we were discussing uh, Millberry. I know it's not the same situation, but, you know, do your research, know what's right and wrong, create your own opinions, but understand what lives mean to people and that everyone deserves equality. And beyond that, we're still a hockey podcast, so we we know what hockey did was good. And, hey, let's discuss it. I just wanted to, one final statement, what the NHL did to take those couple days off. Of course, the Western Conference showing in solidarity, all of them at the press conference. They're good starting spots. But that's the thing, and Ryan Reeves mentioned it of the Vegas Golden Knights. It's a starting position. You need to take this, and you need to move forward with it. And that's something that we hope that the NHL will continue to do, to continue to build on that. And really, everybody in the United States and everybody across the world, we hope to build on our intelligence of this subject. We hope to bring awareness to all of these things that are happening, and we hope to better this country and unify its people again because it's something that has been sorely missing for the past several years But as you mentioned, we do have hockey stuff to talk about. And one of the big things, of course, that happened last week, we said that there was going to be an interesting offseason. And boy, oh boy, has it started already. The Penguins acquire Kasperi Kapanen from the Toronto Maple Leafs. Before we move forward with this and before we get into all of our opinions on this, here's a couple words from Kasperi Kapanen on being reacquired by the Pittsburgh Penguins. I mean, I was lucky enough to be there for a short period of time when I got drafted. And, uh, you know, I was with Wilkes-Barre and, you know, some of the guys are still playing with the with the Pens now. And, um, you know, I'm familiar with, you know, pretty much the whole team. And I know who everybody is and a lot of, uh, you know, friends on that team too. So it's, it, it makes it a whole lot easier than, you know, going to a new team in a new city that, you know, I'm not familiar with. So lucky in a way, I guess, for me. So, um like I've been telling all you guys, I, I'm very excited. You know, my, my family's excited. Um, you know, my girlfriend and, and everybody here um, is, is excited for me. So uh, just can't get that uh, ready to go back to work. Those are the words of newly acquired Pittsburgh Penguins forward Kasperi Kapanen, of course. We mentioned a couple times already today. He was acquired late last week, or I guess it was early last week by the Pittsburgh Penguins in a six-player trade and one-pick trade with the Toronto Maple Leafs. So let me run down through the details and then we'll get into our full opinions because Horwat, I know you got a bunch of them on this subject. Got a couple. <laughs> <laughs> the Penguins acquired Kasperi Kapanen, defensive prospect Jesper Lindgren, as well as upcoming RFA Pontus Auberg. And to Toronto, the Penguins sent the 2020 first round pick, which was the 15th overall pick, Philip Hollander, Evan Rodriguez, and David Warsawski. So Horwat. Overall, what are your overarching opinions of this trade? Of course, the Penguins drafted Kasperi Kapanen 22nd overall in 2014 and then traded him away in 2015 in part for Phil Kessel. So what are your thoughts on this trade? Overall, if you look at this trade on paper and it's not this season, I'm questioning it, but I'm not as mad at it. Because overall, trading away, whatever, like, 
Evan Rodriguez, fine. I didn't really want to resign him anyway. Hollander, I can get past trading away a prospect because you never know anyway. Orsovsky, whatever. The first round pick hurts, especially this year. I think that is where you lose me on this on this trade. Bringing back Kapanen for Rodriguez, sure, I like that. I like most of the people moved in this trade. It's when you start touching into Philip Hollander and the first round pick that that's where you get me. I don't mind, you know, bringing in another defenseman in Lilligren, that one? Lindgren, Lindgren. not Lilligren. Yes. Everybody made the joke that mm-hmm. they sent the wrong one or Rutherford didn't have his spectacles on when he read the trade proposal, but we got a Jesper Lindgren, not Timothy Lilligren. Lindgren, yet to play in the NHL. Ugh, doesn't seem like he will anytime soon. He's 23 and has been coasting in the A for a while. That's brutal. So, like, most of the trade is I'm fine with, I guess. But it's when you start digging into our first-round pick this year of all years. Whenever Rutherford said he would try and keep it around to adding Philip Hollander to it, our number three or four prospect that, you know, could have been seeing ice time next year for all we know. It's It hurts. I didn't like it at the start. I I breathed on it i looked at it again and realized i still don't like it because of those two pieces everything else is fine but it's the first round pick and uh hollander where you lose me on it because we could have really used that first round pick and as for hollander like i said our three or four prospect that's something that you want to hold on to not only does that kind of bump up guys in the depth chart but our depth already isn't that you know rock solid per se Losing a guy like Kim Hurts, and like I said, the 15th overall, that adds to it, because who knows who that could have been. But, you know, hopefully, like you know, Kaepernick said, he's excited to be coming back. I'm excited to have him back, you know, him specifically, because we're, you know, losing Rodriguez for it, fine. But him specifically, I'm excited to have back. Losing those two pieces, however, that's where you lose me on it. Yeah, I guess it's a good thing we waited on it because you were really fiery the day that this trade went down. Every time, either on social media or in our personal text messages or groups that everybody has as a part of, you were firing back with, no, this is not a good trade. No, I hate this trade. No, I don't like this trade at all. And my reaction, I put in a couple of places. I put in our group chat with Doug Glad, key friend of the show. I also put in the Slack chat with the Hockey Podcast Network. I said, this trade is interesting to me and of course everybody's like what do you mean interesting this is an awful trade oh this is bad trade no this trade is interesting to me because to me if you look at this trade this is a fantastic trade if next season is the last season of the nhl ever (laughs) but hopefully there's going to be multiple seasons if not hundreds of seasons that happen after the 2020 2021 series or season excuse me, but for Jim Rutherford, he doesn't know when his last year is going to be. And it's not like he's going to get another job. This is Jim Rutherford's last general managing job. If not, I will be shocked. And his directive is go out, win cups, mortgage the future to bring cups and to win now. And that's what he did here. This is this is the exact thing that he's been doing since 2015. Maybe a little bit more egregious with the 2020 first round pick, as well as Philip Hollander, who is, I would say, fourth or fifth. But, I mean, that's semantics either way when it comes to the prospects for the Penguins. 
the way I look at this trade, Worsowski is nothing. No. Yeah. Wors- like, it's great. He was the captain of the Wilkes-Barre Scranton team. He's an older defensive guy that was low in our system. That does nothing for me. Evan Rodriguez for Pontus Auberg is basically a one-for-one trade in this deal. Pontus, Rod- or Pontus Rodriguez. Pontus Auberg I forgot about whenever I was discussing my thing. But A, that's probably because he's very forgetful in the first place. And B, he's an RFA, if I'm not mistaken, who also just signed in Russia. Yeah, I feel like the reason he signed in Russia is because if he's not going to play in the NHL, we don't know if there's going to be an AHL season. So he wants the opportunity to go and play. Yeah, And, and if he's not going to make the Penguins, I get it. You yeah. want to play. You don't want to sit out for a season whenever you're already a fringe player in the NHL. I mean, Auberg, if you remember, scored a nasty goal in the 2017 Stanley Cup Finals for the Nashville Predators. But he had, hasn't really done much other than that. Like you mentioned, he's the replacement level player as of right now. Hopefully, the Penguins can get him signed, give him a shot to try to get into that bottom six. I think he'd be a good addition to a fourth line, or maybe even if he can perform really well, a third line. So, like I said, Evan Rodriguez, Pontus Auberg, it's basically one for one in this trade. So, then what you have is the first round pick and Philip Hollander for Kasperi Kapanen and Jesper Lindgren. You have to give up better prospects to get players that can play now, and I get that. But a first round pick for Kasperi Kapanen and Jesper Lindgren and you're giving away Hollander, it, it's it's uneven. Kyle Dubas definitely did everything he wanted to do here. Fleecing us is part of it. Well, I don't know about fleecing. Jim Rutherford, he did what he wanted, but he had to give up probably more than he would have liked. I'd so, say. I mean, the way I look at this is... Go ahead, go ahead. Keep finishing. Go ahead. Keep finishing. I mean, the way I look at this is the Penguins... Ended up with what they wanted to do, and yes, they gave up the first round pick. But guess what? We weren't gonna pick first in the first round two years in a row anyway. Like, really? <sighs> Do we really expect that? So, the way I look at it is, it's we gave up a little too much, but we got what we needed. And I'll let you say whatever yeah. you had to say there. You had mentioned that it's good that you've let me have time to cool on it. I still don't like it. This trade, yeah. I still don't like it. I still think it was wrong to do. By way of losing our first round pick, are were we going to take you know picking the first round two years in a row in this draft after the last two seasons we had? I would hope so. Like, <laughs> I would hope we would. Obviously, I guess we're not going to do that because we traded away. Is it possible we trade for a first round pick back? Literally anything in the top thirty, I'll take. Like just something that's got a one in front of it. I'm fine with. We need something that can. Something that we can look forward to, you know, as fans that have that have watched our depth kind of not disintegrate now, but just took a hit with losing Hollander and whoever would have stepped up in that 15th spot. So it's going to be interesting. Like I said, I still don't like it. I still don't think it's a great trade. I still think we may have gotten, quote unquote, fleeced by it. But after giving me time to breathe and settle on it, it's still it is interesting. I will agree with you on that. <laughs> and we can go from there but i still don't like it i'm excited to have captain back sure that'll be fun like i said captain will be fun for now but who knows what hollander could have done and mr number 15 so that's where you lose me see you know what i'm just gonna go as far to say that i do like this trade i will will say that i like (laughs) this trade because i know you won't that's fine you don't have to right but here's the thing philip hollander we don't know what he is yet he was fifth in the 
organization for a reason. Also, the first round pick. Was he going to help you any of these first couple years that Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin have left? You don't know that. Right. But guess what? Kasperi Kapanen, he's 24 years old. He is a penalty killer. He is fast. He is hungry for a cup. Yes, he has a couple off-ice issues, but bringing him in is something that's really going to help out the Pittsburgh Penguins. And I know what people are saying. Hockey Trolls said it. Uh, he had a 20-goal season once, but it's only like he's had two years in the NHL. Yeah. He's had two seasons. One of them was shortened by COVID, plus he just had a bad season. It's a sophomore slump. He could go off for 20 more goals this year. Who knows? And the thing that it, I found interesting is when they acquired him, Rutherford said he's going to be instilled into our top six, which that surprised me. I figured he would be, this is one of the guys that we're going to put on the third line to make it better. But apparently he wants him on the top six to play with either Crosby or Malkin, which I guess now our top six is basically solidified. That'll last if a I week, would say. by the way. He, he'll be out of the top six quickly when we realize there's no depth down there. But who knows what Rutherford's exactly. going to do to address that. I mean, he might bring back Jared McCann to be that third line center. Who knows what's going to happen? There's a lot that's going to go into this offseason that hasn't yet been unfolded. I mean, you mentioned the Penguins might go out and get a pick. Matt Murray is going to at least command probably a prospect now that he's already, that Rutherford's already addressed the NHL squad. So he's going to at least get a prospect back, which will help that depth. As you mentioned, he might get a pick back. That'll also help so. the depth that you mentioned. I mean, it is not solidified that it's Murray moving, but we feel like that's probably going to happen. I feel like Jari or Murray would warrant at least a pick. At Something least a prospect. Maybe both. Maybe it's a second round in a prospect. Maybe it's a first round in the AHL guy. Something. <laughs> and I posted it right after this trade. Everybody was freaking out on Twitter. Penn's Twitter was fire, and so was the Facebook comments. They were all on fire after this trade happened. And I posted a simple thing. Welcome back to the organization, Kasperi Kapanen. I get everybody is not happy with this trade, but can we not crucify the player that came back that's going to play for us in the next three years? Let's be happy to have Kapanen. Be happy to have Cappy, if you will. And let's go out there and support the guy so he can hopefully succeed and help carry us to another cup playing either whether it's with Crosby, whether it's with Malkin, or whether it's on the third line. Can we please just be happy to have Kasperi Kapanen? And yes, I get that it sucks that we gave up our first round pick. It sucks that we gave up a guy like Philip Hollander, but Kapanen is 24 years old. Hollander's not much younger. So we have a guy that is proven is all I'm saying. I don't want to keep harping on this trade because I do like it. People can flame me if they want, but guess what? When Kasperi Kapanen goes out and scores 25 goals next year, kills penalties like a madman, and is an upgraded version of Carl Hagelin, then yes, guess what? I want to hear the praise at that point. So what do you have left? Uh, I don't think anybody. I don't think with this trade anybody was mad at Kapanen for coming back. But there are people that, I mean, look look at what happened with Murray. Flurry leaves, people hate Murray. Right. Look I what just happened think... with Galchenyuk. He had the pressure on him because he was traded for Phil Kessel. Yeah, well, that needed to happen. But as a matter of captain, it's just, I could tell, you could see that there was a lot of the criticism was pointed toward Rutherford, which is where it should have been, because it was his move. But as for, you know, Kapanen, I'm excited, like I said, I'm excited to have Kapanen back. That'll be fun. He'll be interesting and fun to watch grow where he should have been growing this whole time, maybe. He was the Phil Kessel trade, so maybe we did win there. But that being said, it's going to be interesting to watch and you know if you're going to point criticism towards anyone it's got to be rutherford but as of right now 
let's see if he's got any more moves in his pocket. I'm assuming he does. You know he's got more moves coming, and and there's no doubt about that. And we actually posted two polls this week. We're going to do our regular pens poll at the end of this episode. But we posted a second part after this trade happened. And the question was, do you still trust Jim Rutherford at the helm after yesterday's big trade? 62% say no. 38% say yes. Again, recency bias probably kicking in there from Penn's Nation. I still trust Jim Rutherford at the helm after this. I mean, it's questionable, but let's see how it plays out. And that's exactly what State of Hoppy from the soda pod said, he said, can I see what other moves he makes this off season before I vote on this yeah. poll, which I'm sure we'll put out another poll after the season's about to begin. Now, what did you think of the off season moves? And that way state of hoppy can, can vote on the poll. But like I said, a overwhelming amount say, no, they don't trust Jim Rutherford. I saw a lot of people making fun of his age and stuff like that. But the man has won you two Stanley cups in five years. Eventually that is going to be, too far in the rear view to be used as an excuse. But at this point, let's see how this plays out before we kick him out of Pittsburgh. Yeah, right? I, mean, I do believe that he can still you know, build this team. I still uh, support him at the helm, if you will. As his first, I mean, his age, everyone's getting old, man. Everyone gets older. <laughs> There's a lot of old GMs in the league. It'd be interesting to go through each age and see how where he ranks. I'm assuming he's older. I know there's a lot of young ones now, but... I don't know who's older, him or Lou Lamorello, but those two have to be the two oh. elder statesmen of the GM classes. Lou, yeah. And, you know, he made a trade with one of the youngest ones in Kyle Dubas. So, I mean, yeah, I still trust him at the hell, mostly because we see what Pittsburgh sports Twitter, whenever they want to act like a GM, we see what happens there. So, yeah, I'm going to trust someone who knows what they're doing more than I'm going to trust the public. Yeah, he here's a quick caveat to your point in that. Penn's Twitter hates this trade. We'll see how it happens. Penn's Twitter loved the Derek Broussard trade. Oh God. That was that was for Reeves, wasn't it? Reeves was included in that. And we see and how that we sent went. stuff to Ottawa. So yeah, we we see how that went for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Either way, let's see how this plays out. I'm happy to have Kapanen back. And uh one other thing. Everybody complaining about the Penn's depth. They did pretty well last year with both Poulain and Legare, so it's not like they don't have prospects coming up. And if you keep putting 24-year-olds into the roster now, how many spots do you really have to fill? So, whatever. We'll get we'll move on from this subject. We'll, of course, probably be talking a lot about it over the entirety of the offseason, especially whenever Rutherford decides to make a couple more moves. But a couple other things happened in this past week in Penn's land. Uh, before we move on to that, Horwat, you rearranged your room, buddy. I have a new background. I love it. For any of you that we'll start actually videoing these things and putting them on maybe YouTube. But when we do our one hits, uh, everybody check those out at Iceberg Podcast. You'll be able to see Horwat's sick setup. Of course, he has the Leafs jersey in the background over there. I see the Cool Hockey sign over there as well. So go to coolhockey.com slash THPN. Use the promo code THPN for 40% off your next favorite hockey jersey but uh just wanted to commend you on that setup buddy yeah i spent most of today doing it we're recording at 6 30 we started about uh i got yeah, my bad i had to get a grill oh good so we, we pushed it back i stopped work <laughs> at one and i've been rearranging and setting up the re my whole room for those of you who don't know i recorded my bedroom so <laughs> i've been rearranging we're very my professional here at the tip of the iceberg because i also record in my bedroom yeah my bedroom in my parents basement so one day i'll move out and it'll look much nicer i swear but for now this is what I got, and it's actually really nice. I kind of centered the whole room around this so I can, so we can do video. You know who probably has his own bedroom in his own apartment? 
That's Chad Ruweedle. The Penguins Damn signed right Chad Ruweedle to a one-year extension, $750,000. And, of course, that kicks in before next season. Not the 2020-2021 season. The 2021-2022 season. This is going to get a mouthful for the next freaking decade, uh-huh. and I'm going to hate it. But, like I said... He has one year left on his current deal, signs another year extension for 750K, and the NHL's best seventh defenseman is coming back to Pittsburgh for yet another season. What were your thoughts on this signing? Good. It's what we needed. It's good (laughs) to see that he's going to be around. I'm assuming he'll get some playing time. I'm assuming he starts in the starting lineup this year. I'm assuming he's the sixth man, if not five, given what if anything happens. Don't know why I would say five, but I'm I'm assuming he starts five or six this year, opening day. Five's pretty gutsy considering our top four is pretty solidified at this point. But at the, t- at the same time, you never know what could happen. Jack Johnson might still be traded. Exactly. Uh, hope, <laughs> hope is still alive on that front. But uh, as far as Chad Ruweedle goes, I'm happy he's coming back. I mean, who else can sit out 40 plus games and then go out there and play like he's been playing the entire season. So I'm happy he's back. He helps out the Penguins by signing a league men contract, $750,000. If you're going to get a defenseman that is at that level, for that low of a price, you're going to take it every day. So I think it's a great job by general manager Jim Rutherford and a great job by Chad Weedle taking the uh, hometown discount, if you will, even though he's not from Pittsburgh. Seems like he's been here for a very, very long time in the system. So glad to see Chad back. And unless you have anything else, we can move on to the latest bit of news from the Pittsburgh Penguins. Nope, it was just appropriate. That's all it was. Just an appropriate signing. And maybe Rico was next. Who knows? We, I mean, at least I said move on from Yuso Rikula, mainly because, I mean, we're never going to use him correctly here from what it seems. So please let him go somewhere else because I like him as a player. I want to see him play in the league, and it doesn't seem like it's going to happen in black and gold, at least in black and gold in Pittsburgh, maybe right. Boston, who, who knows. But the last thing that happened, this actually happened earlier today as we're recording on Sunday. The Pittsburgh Penguins named Evgeny Malkin as the team MVP. This is the fifth time in his career that he's been named team MVP. He only trails Sidney Crosby with eight and Mario Lemieux with, of course, 12 team MVP awards. So congratulations to Gino Malkin. And as you mentioned earlier, who else was this going to go to, really? This season, at least. Yeah, I mean, you could say Brian Russ, and I'd let you have that argument. But no, it's it was Malkin's comeback year. He said he wanted to do better and be better. And after his injury, that set him out for a little bit in the beginning of the season. He was. He was much better. He was you know, much more Evgeny Malkin. And, you know, it was more than just his play. It was the fact that his penalties went way down. I don't have, I don't remember the numbers, but I know his PIMs were a lot lower this year than they were last year. He's still raising the, he's still rising in the ranks of all time penalty minutes in Penguin history. I hope he gets it. I think that'd be hysterical, but for now, I mean, good. I mean, it's what he deserved. It's his fifth time. You mentioned only behind Crosby and Lemieux. I found it very funny that, the last player to get it since Crosby entered the league in 0506. Malkin entered the year after. Only Flurry is the only other Penguin to win it, aside from those two. Hmm. No one else, not even like a Kunitz who I figured. Kunitz had to have a year, I mean, right? I mean, he did. The 2012-13 season was a good year for Chris Kunitz, but I mean, you can also say that's because of Sidney Crosby, who also had a hell of a year that year. Yeah, so, so it's, it was hard to pick, but... Before Crosby, it was Dick Tarnstrom, which is a fun, fun fact. <laughs> Old Dickie Tarnstrom. When it, that was the year before Crosby got – the year before the lockout. The year before the lockout. He had 52 points and led the team in points. 
Oh boy, uh, if anybody forgot how bad that team was before Crosby got drafted, then uh, there you go. Dick Tarmstrom, team MVP for team what, 2003, unit, 2004 season? Oh yeah. Friend Since of the show, then, Jesse Marshall, was tweeting about it earlier today, and it was kind of funny because he was talking about that season and the year before where Lemieux had 92 points. I think uh, Kovalev had some points, and on that same team was like Joseph Melikar, uh, Alexander Degg. Dig, dig. I don't know how to say his name exactly. The the world's worst number one overall pick. <laughs> and just, oh, Mark Bergevin was on the team. Just an iconic team, man. An iconic team as far as names go. Oh, Not yeah. as far as skill on the ice, really. Nope, we were terrible. Johan Hedberg was in net that year, actually. The Moose. I'm sure that jersey will be up behind you at some point when we're recording. I have my, I have my picture, of, my signed picture of him on that table right there. <laughs> oh, there you go. Just an inside look at what we're doing here at the tip of the iceberg. But as we move along here on the show, I think it's time we send it over to Isha. Isha Jerome, the co-creator of the Hockey Podcast Network. As I mentioned earlier, he came on to talk the origin story of the Hockey Podcast Network as well as a little bit of Minnesota Wild talk. And some concert talk. So we'll get into all of that with that interview. Before we get to that, let's hear a word from our friends at Manscaped. This episode of The Tip of the Iceberg is brought to you by Manscaped. The best in men's below-the-belt grooming, offering precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Got a crazy bush? I may not be a contractor, but even I know that if you trim your hedges, your tree stands taller. This is why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. Millions of balls are about to be nick-free thanks to Manscaped's new and improved Lawnmower 3.0. Featuring advanced skin-safe technology to keep your soldier polished and cut-free. If you're like me and like to handle this kind of business in the shower, the Lawnmower 3.0 is waterproof and features an LED light, so even guys as blind as I am can see what they're doing. If you are listening to me, you are one of the first people to hear about this life-changing product, and you too can experience it firsthand. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code THPN at manscaped.com. Again, that's code THPN for 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. Trust me, your balls will thank you. Hockey fights, lifestyle, and tales from a first-round draft bust? We have it all and more on the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for boutique hockey content and podcasts covering every team in the NHL. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. Right now, we are being joined by one of the co-creators of the Hockey Podcast Network. He, along with Dylan Kayser, scooped us two scrubs out of obscurity and onto this very podcast. He's the host of the Soda Pod here on the Hockey Podcast Network, covering the Minnesota Wild, and is also an avid craft brews connoisseur. A man that seemingly runs solely on beer and coffee. Welcome onto the show, Isha Jerome. How's it going, buddy? Oh, you know me too well, Nick. Holy, yeah, coffee and craft brew. That's what seems to be, you know, keeping me going these days, 100%. But no, I'm excited to be here, guys. This is awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks for coming on, man. I know we've been talking about it for a couple months, trying to get you on. I'm a little jealous right now, as I can see it's still sunny where you're at. And uh, as you would call it, the wild woods of Vancouver Island. So uh, thank you for joining us. Really, the reason we wanted to bring Isha on here is to talk a little bit about the Hockey Podcast Network as a whole, because we've been part of this now for probably just about a year. Yeah, and it's been a really fun experience. And we just figured 
let's get the backstory. Let's get the origin story. And I know you've probably been asked this a million times, but I mean, how did the idea of the network come about? Was it something that you and Dylan had been wanting to do, or is it something that just came out of the blue? It was like a little bit of both. And it's good. Dylan's actually sitting right next to me. So if I miss anything, he could, he probably just, you know, yell and be like, no, 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 this is how it went. Or if I, uh, if I exaggerate a little bit, he'll bring me back down to earth. But no, it all started um, way back. Dylan and I, um, we, you know, we listened to our local sports radio station, the Team 1040, uh, growing up here on Vancouver Island, but listening to uh, mainly like Vancouver Canucks focused sports radio, but also, you know, BC Lions and the CFL when the MLS team came in. Uh, the Whitecaps as well, you know, local baseball and everything. And that radio station just did such a, a great job of reeling us in as sports fans. Obviously, TSN had the rights at the time for the broadcasting of the Canucks. So us being hockey fans, uh, primarily, that's that's where we went for all our, our news and, and, and updates. And, you know, and the personalities were great. Um, it came to a point when uh, I think it was on a camping trip up to uh, Gold River, um, a beautiful spot uh, to camp and actually uh, check out some caves, uh, North Vancouver Island, where Dylan and I were listening to some of the radio, uh, or listening to some of the podcasts from the radio show, and everything that they were bringing up were stuff that, like, we just talk about naturally over some beers and whatnot. And we're like, man, like, we should just do a podcast. And this is, like, 2000, what, 15? So before podcasts oh, wow. were really, like, blowing up where everyone and their dog had one. Like, we should do a podcast. Like, we, we both had recording gear respectfully because Dylan actually you know produced hip-hop music and I sang and played guitar and played in bands so we we had all the gear already whereas podcast like podcast production would be like a thousand times easier than, than music and, and it is so we're like we can record and, and edit so quickly so we already have that advantage there let's let's do a podcast and we branded it around the Vancouver Canucks we called it stick and rink um and uh, but we mostly like just kind of sh- shot the breeze, talked about what was going on around the island, talked a lot of junior hockey that we pumped uh, locally in the Vancouver area, in Vancouver Island, and just like, just had a great time. Obviously brought in a bunch of Canucks takes as well. Um, and, uh, and we brought on our buddy, Chris Faber. We did that for about a year. We got brought onto a local radio station where at that point it was just great because we got to do extra content and we got like more of an incentive to really like, okay, let's kick this up a notch and actually get like legit legit guests be it ex-players current junior players prospects um insiders you know the whole shebang and we did all three of us exhaust as many resources as we can we, we could uh we, we built rapport with a with a bunch of local writers and whatnot and we had a, a great radio show which is a little bit more tame than the podcast which was a uh, i don't know a little bit more raunchy i guess you could say put it this way my mom would tune into the radio show she didn't like the podcast that much but all under the same <laughs> brand we had, we had about like three four hours of content come out every week with regular guests. We did that for about two years um, before that's when like everyone started to do a podcast and the Vancouver Canucks market in particular got so, so saturated to the point where like, you know, Dylan and I, we put a lot of work into this. We, we put out a good product. The quality was great, but we weren't, you know, we, we couldn't monetize it and we couldn't grow it. So we figured, you know, Dylan being a business guy, me being more of a creative guy, we figured we both can like bring our, our, our skills into, into an entrepreneurial project. And instead of just going all in on one podcast, let's do 30 plus and do a whole league covering the network or, or sorry, make a network covering the entire league and some with, with more and more content with kind of endless possibilities there. And, and then, you know, wishful thinking even more is we figure, okay, well, once we do this and we make money doing this and, and, and or sell it or, or whatever, we can grow and do other, other sports and not only make the hockey podcast network, but go into with the basketball podcast network the baseball podcast network hell the fishing podcast network whatever <laughs> the dominant sport is so that was that was kind of how we got all this uh rolling and that was uh that was the idea behind behind this and then honestly guys 
The next step was scouting. We listened probably for four months before we even sent out an email. Which I believe the first one was to Corey and Richie, uh, who covered the Arizona Coyotes on the Hawk Podcast Network. We did like four months of just like making a list of every kind of indie and like, I don't know, one step above like the indie podcast. We figured with an idea, those are the only ones we're really going to be able to realistically recruit with a not being able to pay you guys anything right off the bat and believing in us to really, you know, put the work in. Um, so it took a while to a, find those type of people, which by the way, tip of the iceberg, salt of the fucking earth. Yes, <laughs> people to work with on the network. But anyways, <laughs> um, we, back to the scouting, we just had to listen to so many indie podcasts. And let me tell you, some were awesome. Some we were so awesome, we couldn't bring them aboard the network. And, uh, and then we found like, you know, the likes of you guys, Corey and Rich, and pretty much all the core guys and gals who we brought in for season one, which are awesome. But there were, I'd say, for every great core host we have, there were about 10 others that didn't work out in one way or another, be it a headache for us or us being like, damn, we wish we could have grabbed them. So it, it was a lot of work, guys. It was, it was a year in preparation when kind of the idea was born. And we were still doing Stick and Rink at the time, part-time. Um, and uh, we actually, our final episode of Stick and Rink is where we officially handed it over to Elijah and Josh, which if you go back, it's somewhere on our feed, if you go to SoundCloud, original Stick and Rink, you listen to episode 100, uh, the final the final segment of that podcast, the rendition with us anyways, is Elijah and Josh just being like, oh boy, like, here we go, big shoes to fill. <laughs> well, but yeah, that's kind of the, the, the crash course story, guys. Well, I think everybody now needs to go back and listen to that. That's like a must listen for all of our listeners. Go back to episode 100. I'll give you the the link and you can share. It was a two-pada, as Ari would say. A two-pada. Awesome. You mentioned all the scouting you did. I think what's even been more impressive is some of the names you brought in midseason. I mean, Neil, Neil Villapiano for New Jersey. You brought in the Toronto guys most recently. They've been extremely impressive that I've been listening to them. So you've done a really good job. And then, of course, the Vegas Nightly guys. Who can forget? They're a riot. But like the way that you guys have also just throughout the season, we know how much you work because, I mean, we're not even there. and We can tell how much you work. So, I mean, we personally just appreciate everything you guys have done. And, of course, bringing us along and dragging us along with you. Uh, it's been a great experience. Man, you're so, you're so fucking humble, Berlant. I know that. <laughs> like, honestly, dude. No, you guys have been great. And it, I, I really appreciate that because Dylan and I, we don't, we don't have time to really, like, appreciate any of the work we do. We just got to keep it go, keep it going. So it's nice when, you know, we can, when people can say, hey, step out of the bubble for a second, actually look at this thing you guys have built. Like, there's, there's, there's a lot going on here, and we're just, we're excited to, to take it to, to bigger and better things. Hell yeah. Thank you for bringing us on in the first place. I mean, I can remember when Berlansky sent me the DM that you sent to our old podcaster counter to him, whatever it was. And we, I remember he said at first, should we do this? And I was like, why would we not? <laughs> Like, I can remember sitting at a bar, like, about to go to a preseason game. Like, why would we not do this? Like, this sounds like a great idea. If it falls apart, it falls apart. And well, and it's funny, too, because Dylan's the one who actually reached out to you guys. So, Dylan, mm-hmm. what, what was the original team that we, we wanted Anaheim. them for? Anaheim. 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 We had an Anaheim who we actually – it was it was a bigger podcast, part of a bigger Anaheim Ducks network. And we, we had them locked in, like, early, early on. And then we kind of just lost contact with them for about three months of, you know, filling in the spots. And then, of course, the week of, you know, two weeks prior to us launching, they're like, oh, yep. actually, like – we're good. And we're like, oh shit, now we got to find like an Anaheim Ducks podcast. And that was so funny when we reached out to you guys to actually feel that role. And you guys were like, well, we'll step up to the plate. So knowing that, that little extra tidbit horror, you're like, you know, we got to, we got to do this anyways, even if you're going to do Anaheim. Yeah. Um, that, that's just, that just shows, you know, the passion that these guys have. And then the spot opened up for Pittsburgh, which was, which was a whole other headache for us back then, but it's, it all worked out perfectly. All worked out perfectly. Oh, yeah. Because we were close to just quitting what we were doing 
our podcast wise at least because it wasn't getting views listens whatever but yeah thanks for having us on and i gotta say be honest with us you can it could be our little secret which podcast on the network is your favorite or at least oh man or at least which is the most interesting and what should people go check out you're asking me on a podcast that's going to be broadcasted <laughs> to the whole world to keep a little secret okay i will say and this does not reflect the the views of the entire network because we still actually have to give out some of the some of the internal awards that we wanted to do with you guys which was a lot of fun dylan and i have all the notes tallied up it's been a busy few months here man i like Okay, I, I don't want to put anyone down here, but I'll say that personally, I'm attached to my old stick and rink brand. So I do listen to them a lot, mostly because I just want to be like, don't make this brand look bad. Uh, <laughs> no, I, at first it was just because I, I provided them with a bunch of gear to get started and stuff. And I was kind of just like, okay, here's some things, you know, you want to do, you know, here and there, maybe just giving some tips. Not that they needed content wise, but just production wise. And as soon as they brought Raph on, um, they've just been killing it. So I listen to them regularly, probably just as a fan, because I have that connection to them. And because, well, I'm, I live in the Vancouver region. But honestly, I, I, I listen to pretty much them all. Now, not all of them regularly, like I would like say, stick and rink every time. But like you guys, at least like once or twice a week. Um, I really like the Capture podcast as well. Put it this way. And this is, <laughs> if those who listen to me the earliest in regards to making their quality better, you're my favorite. I don't even <laughs> care if the content's funny or, or, you know, analytical, doesn't matter. <laughs> the quality's good, you're in my good books, and I love them. But, uh, no, but with all seriousness, everyone in the network has been doing an outstanding job, and I I wouldn't feel comfortable publishing and featuring a show that, you know, I wouldn't listen to myself. So, there you That's, go, everybody. We know all the shows around the network are great, even the ones that aren't team-based. Like, I know I've listened to the Hockey for Her- to Heroin one, or Heroin to Hockey, whichever one it is, I forget the exact word, but I've listened to that episode a couple times. He's had great guests on, and it's a great network to be in. Clinton uh, Malarchuk was one of his last guests. Which, man, you hear his story. Uh, yeah. For those who don't know, he was, uh, he was that goaltender who uh, was in that terrible accident where the skate like, cut his throat. And like, if you watch the footage on YouTube, I mean, I remember watching it as a kid. That was, like, that was more horrifying than any horror movie I watched growing up. And that was real life. Yeah, because it's, it's a brutal scene. But uh, we are going to switch off and talk about hockey now. And you cover Minnesota Wild as well, so... And you've become a Wild fan as, over the year. And how has that transition been become a, becoming a Minnesota Wild fan from, you know, your home Vancouver Canucks? Um, it's, it's been fun. And I think it's, it's a credit to the market, not the team. Because um, don't get me wrong, like the team, they're, they're awesome in regards to, to covering them. There were storylines, you know, up and, up and down all year. However, they weren't as exciting as, say, like the Vancouver Canucks, the Pittsburgh Penguins, for example. They're a very structured team. And it was like, the character on the team was the coach, was Bruce Boudreaux, which is, you know, funny, funny to think about. Um, the market really got me pumped. The, the, like, the Twitter sphere, the Facebook groups, um, how everyone is, like, kind of like uh, people from British Columbia who have a connection to, like, craft beer and just other, you know, other sports as well. Um, I, I felt like I could empathize and really relate to a lot of people in the state of Minnesota, um, you know, I guess down south in the states, people joke and say that they're kind of like Canada, anyways. And it, even if they're, uh, even if they get annoyed and, and don't hear that all the time, they they really are. They're, they're awesome people. So I'd say the market is re- really got me in, and and also like, uh, guys, I, I said this on my podcast, and I say this on other people's podcasts that I come and do hits with. I watched only two or three Vancouver Canucks games all year, with you know, and I, I was super high on Quinn Hughes, so I just I kind of had to pick my battles with my time, and was like, if I'm gonna actually go all in and cover the Minnesota Wild like I want to know what happened in every game so I watched every single game and the only I think it was only two Canucks games I watched because one of them was a 7-2 loss 
the Rangers, and it was just it was the worst. Cause I had like I, I ordered pizza. I got home right when the game started. I was like a little bit late, and they were already like down by a few goals. And I was like, oh man, this team sucks. So uh, yeah, I think the market and just those covering the team, like Michael Russo, Jesse Pierce, like it's just it's an awesome hard hockey market. Arguably one of the best in the states, in my opinion. And it's actually interesting because. If you look at it, Minnesota and Pittsburgh were kind of intertwined this year a whole hell of a lot, at least throughout the season. I mean, for one, you guys get Billy Guerin as your general manager. And then for two, of course, you make the big trade, sending us Jason Zucker and also getting Kalen Addison, Alex Galchenyuk, and the 2021 first-round pick. So how have you felt about what Billy Guerin has done with that team this year? First of all, I, I think he's a character also. So going back to like oh. how like Bruce Boudreaux was kind of like, I don't know, one of the more famous characters and, and figures on the Minnesota Wild franchise, Billy Guerin's becoming just that. I mean, he is, he's definitely a prodigy of Rutherford because that guy <laughs> has no filter. It's awesome. Um, I think he's done very well with the team thus far. Mind you, he hasn't made a ton of changes, but that's because he was a new GM coming in after the draft last year. He never got to like sink his teeth into this team at all. He just kind of, Came in, you know, I got to sign Spurgeon. I'm going to sign Spurgeon. I think he actually signed Spurgeon to a great deal. Anything under $10 million for one of the best defenders in the league, I'd say it's a pretty damn good deal. Uh, Spurgeon's not going to slow down anytime soon. So that being kind of his, you know, his, his first splash in the franchise, I think was really good. Uh, that trade I thought was outstanding. I mean, especially with how the, the cap is going next year, they could really get Alex Galchenyuk as a steal if they want to keep him next year because it's more the middle class players who are going to have to take those short-term low-cap deals, you know, the superstars are still going to get paid, right? Um, so they could, you know, where they may have had to pay up to $2.5, $3 million to keep Galchenyuk, they may only have to pay him like $1.5 now for even like, you know, two years, like a $1.5 per, per year cap hit. So I think, you know, it, that trade, all things considered, could actually work in favor of the Minnesota Wild, even with this crazy cap. And he's not afraid to make moves. He's also, he's addressed in all of the media rounds, post uh, playoffs or play in qualifying rounds, sorry, um, that the goaltending is going to change and they're going to address depth at center, whether it's a trade though. He said, we're probably just going to address it via draft and we're going to have to be patient, but guys like Alex Stalock and Devin Dubnik, that's not going to be the tandem next year. It's, you know, whether he tries to acquire Matt Murray and puts Kakanen as his backup and gets rid of Stalock and and Dubnik all together. This is a real possibility. Yeah. I mean, Aside from those two guys, I mean, these Zach Parise and Ryan Suter contracts, I know people harp on them all the time, but is there a way out of them, or does the Wild just kind of have to ride out the storm? I mean, it's not like they're bad players or anything. It's just a matter of how much they're making, too, and that they're aging. Yeah, and that's the thing. Um, But they haven't really lost a step. Parise's been as healthy as he's been in the last, like, five years. His back seems to be okay, and that's really just what holds him down. He led the Wild in goals this year at 25 uh, goals. Ryan Suter is not slowing down at all. I mean, and we saw the impact he had, well, he had on this team, you know, when he wasn't in the lineup in that final qualifying game, you know, Jared Spurgeon had to do way too much. And though Jonas Brodin stepped up defensively, you could just see that he's such an important pillar back there. So yeah, their contracts, obviously it's the term, like per year, it's not really strangleholding them that much. I'd say the likes of Matt Zuccarello is the contract where, the wild fans and management are probably most upset about because the guy's not performing. I, I loved Zook. Like I, I've loved him every, every moment he played with the Rangers. I love his story, how he got to the national hockey league, but the guy this year, whether it's just this year because of the new system and everything, it didn't work. 
it didn't work and it didn't work in the playoffs and he stayed relatively healthy. So I'm willing to give him one more year of like a chance, but at $6 million for four years after this or five years after this, that's that contract's really going to strangle them more. Look, they're, they're stuck with Parise and, and, and Suter, but out of the two, I'd say maybe Parise is more the one to, to worry about long-term, but they're still quality pieces for your team. And if they can continue to build, build around them um, with, with favorable contracts, which I think they can, uh, they'll be okay. It's, it's the Zuccarellos and, and those type of players who I think are really going to stranglehold them. And who knows if we see Brodeen and Dumba, because Brodeen's a contract year coming up, I believe, in one year. And he's going to probably command some big bucks because another underrated uh, defender for the Wild. So they may move one of those defenders out anyways to, to clear some cap and address center. So who knows? I mean, I know we've been talking a lot about, you know, bad contracts or long contracts, maybe some that make it a little bit less comfortable for GM Billy Guerin. But I know there's one player that you absolutely love to talk about. And you're so excited. In fact, so excited that you pretty much got all of the Minnesota hockey jerseys at Cool Hockey sold out the day this guy signed. You've been hyping up Kirill Kaprizov since I started listening to the Soda Pod. And that's been at least a couple months. So what are your expectations for him coming into next season? Just points-wise, I expect him like... I don't know, floor 40 points, 20 goals, 20 assists sort of thing. Um, and, and ceiling 60 in his first year. This, this guy's the real deal, guys. Plopped into the KHL, limited minutes, obviously, in his 2014, 15, and 15, 16 campaign, being such a young player, a teenager. And even then, he was able to find, uh, find the back of the net. He's a natural goal scorer. He has hockey sense. And he's kind of that complete winger that you want in your top six. He, he's so smart with the puck that he can set stuff up, but he's primarily a north-south player who doesn't necessarily just have, you know, the skating ability to just bomb, but also make the smart play knowing that, okay, this is my lane. Whatever else I, I need to do to, to make, you know, my, uh, my skating go from, you know, point A to B, whether it's me bringing the puck directly down the lane or setting up a play where my teammates can get me the puck at my final you know, destination spot to score. This guy does it all. And yes, He's played with uh, some very good teams the last three years of CSK Moscow, but he developed with Ufa uh, Salavat, and he also played in uh, uh, Nova Kuznets Metalaburg. I think that's how you say it. Anyways, Nova Kuznets, you know the stories that come out of Nova Kuznets. This kid, uh, I mean, this kid has been a hard worker his, his entire uh, young professional career. And at 24 years old, I mean, he's a seasoned pro, two, three-time All-Star, two-time scoring champion in the arguably best league in the world outside the, the KHL. So I think, you know, maybe the system wise and, and with the language barrier, it takes him a little bit of time for him to just really come out of his shell. But I honestly think guys, if he was, if he was plopped into the playoffs this season, if ugh, the national hockey league would have allowed it like they would in any other regular season, I, I really think that all Dean Edison would have had to say was puck net. And he would have been <laughs> fine playing alongside uh, um, Kevin Fiala. Kaprizov for Murray, one for one. There you go. You get your goalie. Can we get our first round pick back somehow first? Can <laughs> Would you like our throw... first round pick? Yeah. I don't think Toronto we own a first it? round What the pick. hell, guys? <laughs> you know, outside of the wild, you mentioned you obviously are still a Vancouver Canucks fan. But, I mean, do you think the Canucks can keep this train rolling into a Stanley Cup Finals, you know, appearance or a victory? Um... <laughs> Honestly, no, <laughs> not, not at all. Do I look anything can happen in, in hockey, anything can happen in the playoffs. I mean, we, we've seen Edmonton Oilers, you know, 
with no Messier and Gretzky, you know, in the, in the mid 2000s going, going to run, you know, all the way to the end. Now they didn't lift Lord Stanley, they, they lost it to uh, Carolina, right? So we can see anything happen in hockey. Um, what they're doing right now is awesome. It shows that, okay, with some more experience and some more pieces, this core is going to lead this team to, to some great places. That, that's what this is telling me. The fact that they beat St. Louis, though a battered and not the exact same Stanley Cup winning St. Louis Blues, that still showed, that still showed a lot. Um, Jacob Markstrom, in my opinion, though, is the one carrying them through this first and foremost. Um, don't get me wrong. Hughes and Pedersen, they're great. But Hughes has been absolutely shut down in this series against the Vegas Golden Knights. And to be perfectly honest, it is all Jacob Markstrom in this, in this series. If it wasn't for him, they would, you know, they would be out of it. And it's okay because Vegas is a team that is built to win now. Their four lines deep, all four of their lines can score. But the Vancouver Canucks, they got a lot of heart. They got a great goaltender, and they do have the pieces to score. Uh, it's, it's an interesting team. Do I think that they, like, have the chops to beat Vegas? Like, from what I've seen, if they can play like they did in game two, first and third period, if, if they can sustain that and Jacob Markstrom can pretty much stop everything, they can beat any team in the West if they can beat the Golden Knights in this series. However, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a realist. They're not ready yet, and Vegas is a way better team. But if the Canucks somehow get past Vegas, they can beat Dallas, and they can beat the Avs. So it's it's going to be interesting. They need a heavier dose of Tyler Toffoli and less a dose of 22 shots in the second period. The fact that Tyler Toffoli even put up so many points in that game was insane. I, you could see he couldn't skate worse shits because it's like he has a high ankle sprain just shot up like to hell with cortisone probably. But as soon as he got in front of the net, that guy could score. That's great stuff. I mean, you, you think they can beat Dallas and Colorado, which I think is bold, as Colorado at least. If they can beat Vegas. <sighs> That's yeah. the thing, because I think Vegas is, is better than both of those teams, and I think they're just as fast. And that's, I man, Mark Stone is so fucking good that like <laughs> if you're healthy and this guy can play, you know, twenty plus minutes, he's the edge in, in my opinion. He's so good. The face I, turn of Mark Stone has been incredible to watch. Actually, <laughs> I'll say that. It would be a complete face tone, but I feel like Carlo just makes me want to hate him because he hypes him up so much from the weekly nightly podcast. He's the only guy that he like constantly talks about, and I'm like, dude, I like Mark Stone. You don't have to keep preaching it to me. But those well, guys, especially Canadians, great. we know how good he is, and he was like, you know, one of the stars for the Senators outside of Carlson. I did not. I didn't like him on the Senators, but now we see him on the West Coast being friends with Flurry. All of a sudden, he's the guy. But, I mean, I'm going to take this one completely out of hockey now because we've had a lot of hockey talk so far. And I don't know, you're a big music guy. Who was the best artist or performer you've ever seen live? Oh, awesome question. Um, so I've been – I know we have to wrap it up soon here. But I uh, – before sports, music was my thing. And every paycheck um, from when I started working at 13, I would buy – every paycheck I would buy two records, either two records or two CDs, whatever was two for one uh, on sale at the record store. Um, and then at the end of the month, I'd go to a concert. Uh, oh. I'd go to a concert in Vancouver, so a big one at like Rogers Arena at the time, GM Place. Or and then I'd see so many local concerts because like you know there are local bands that came through like the Legion and you know our, our uh, little like theaters and whatnot. Man, that's a hard. I'd say talent-wise, the best artist I've ever seen. I've seen him three times. That was John Mayer. Okay. Um, and I, <clears throat> I've seen Clapton. I've seen Santana. Ooh. I've seen Maiden. I've seen Megadeth. Like I've seen a lot of the great guitar players. I saw Marty Friedman, just Marty Friedman and his band, man. John Mayer is the best guitar player I've ever seen. And when Clapton calls him the master guitar player, that's when you know that this guy's on another level. 
the everyone kind of said everyone kind of says like oh he's a dick it's like i don't i don't care i'm never gonna meet the guy yeah <laughs> i listen to his music and i go to his shows and i'm mesmerized he played a guitar solo hitting the strings with a drumstick while he was just giving it i've never seen did it sound like amazing like no but it was it was so innovative it was so cool and one quick story before we wrap up here um the first show i went to and it was the battle studies tour i think in 2010 he released uh, an album called battle studies and he already did his encore and there was one i think it was to the song half of my heart he had the the crowd like sing like a little lick like oh 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 or something like that and after the encore rogers arena at midnight which or it was 11 and that's when you have to shut shut shit down just started belting that hook back at him oh 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 and it grew it grew for about 10 minutes and it was so loud it was like rumbling people were like stomping their feet he comes out and he's like I just talked to the arena people, whatever, and he said we could play for another half an hour. This has never happened before. Let's go. And I was like, oh, what? And then he played like pretty much like all the hits that he didn't play already for three hours. So that was a super cool experience. And yeah, he's uh, I love blues too. And he's I just think he's one of the best blues guitar players in the world. Hey, I mean, I worked at a uh, music venue at Stage E until this whole COVID thing shut it down for a little while. And I know it's 11, 11 o'clock. It's usually the sharp time. If it's an outdoor show, especially. Um, indoor, they're a little more lenient with at least where I worked. But uh, yeah, no, once it hits 11, it's shut it down. I've worked a show once, I think, where the artist just kept going and finally had to be told, hey, you need to stop. Like, it is getting late. I think it was a weekday, too. So we're all like, we got shit to do in the morning. Can we wrap this up? Finally, well, someone we- shut him down. I forget who it was, but we can move on now. Well, Isha, you're lucky because I went to see John Mayer and he stopped that shit at 11 o'clock Oof. on the dot. So I was like, ah, I guess you got a little bit more of an experience than I did, but that is an amazing story. And thank you for joining us. Thank you for your time. I know we went a little bit over here, but when you're talking to the man, the myth, the legend, <laughs> Isha Jerome, sometimes it, it costs a couple extra minutes. But uh, thank you for, for joining us. Everybody check him out at the Soda Pod. And as we always do, I want to give you a couple seconds. Just let us know what's coming down the pike for you guys at the Soda Pod or even at the Hockey Podcast Network if you have any insight tidbits that you're allowed to offer us. I know there's a lot of top secret stuff that comes out of your mind. Yeah, there's, I mean, there's a lot of things that we have uh, planned for season two. We'll roll out all those uh, tasty details soon, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, just follow myself at VI Sports Talk, almost at a thousand followers. And uh, Dylan doesn't let me forget that I'm under a thousand followers and, uh, and that he's been using Twitter for two years uh, less than I have. But anyways, at VI Sports Talk, help a brother out. Uh, for the Soda Pod, we got uh, Doug Bodger coming on uh, an episode, uh, either the Monday episode or next week's Thursday episode uh, to talk about Dale Howard Chuck and his time playing with him in uh, in Buffalo. We also uh, have some local media from uh, Minnesota jumping on, as well as some contributors and writers uh, locally as well. We haven't been, you know, given the Minnesota Wild a lot of do lately, so we're we're gonna go a little heavy on them with uh, some news coming out. Uh, but if you haven't heard, go back check out our episode with Michael Russo. Uh, he has some great stories uh, just about the National Hockey League and his time writing, and he's gonna come back on soon to talk a little bit about uh, my boy Pavel Bure and some juicy Mike Keenan stories. So Ooh. stay tuned for that. You know what to do, Pence fans. Hit him up at VI Sports Talk. Get him to do 1,000 followers. Get him over Dylan because that would be the best thing possible. Thank you again for joining us, bud. Oh, thank you, guys. Appreciate it. A huge thank you goes out to Isha Jerome for joining the show. It's been a long time coming since we've wanted to get him on. and. Really happy that we got the origin story of the Hockey Podcast Network, something that I've been wondering about for the past year. So I'm glad we finally have that and have that on tape as well. So thank you to Isha 
Like he said, follow him at VI Sports Talk on Twitter. Also follow his show at The Soda Pod. But as we move along here, and as we've done the past couple of weeks, I guess for the past month or two now, we've been giving you a brief promo of another podcast here on the Hockey Podcast Network. Before we get into that promo of the Broadway Boys podcast, the one we did last week was the Euro Puck podcast. Had a very good first episode. Go check those guys out. I tuned in. I'm not somebody that has paid attention to before and or cared before about European hockey, but I'm excited to get into it and I'm excited to listen to these guys tell me about European hockey, possibly getting into the KHL a lot more this season. So go check those guys out. Episode one came out last Friday. It was a hell of an episode. So go check those guys out. But as we move on here, we do have a promo here for the Broadway Boys podcast. Of course, the Broadway Boys joined us on an episode of the Tip of the Iceberg. So go back and listen to that. But as of right now, listen to the Broadway Boys and their promo. I'm James. And I'm Andy. And we host the Broadway Boys podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. Every Monday, we talk New York Rangers, news from around the league, and all aspects of the hockey lifestyle. It's a power play goal! It's never been a better time to be a Rangers fan, so tune in and join us as we break down games, prospects, rumors, and more as we follow the Blue Shirts on their quest towards the Stanley Cup. Our takes are all our own. And not always legally binding. But you're not going to want to miss all the guests, rants, speculation, and the occasional overreaction. He goes to the net. He scores! He scores! The Rangers win! Be sure to follow us on Twitter, at Broadway Boys Pod, and catch new episodes every Monday morning on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and more. And this one will last a lifetime! So what are you waiting for? Subscribe, follow, and listen to the Broadway Boys podcast today, and be sure to check out all the exciting content on the Hockey Podcast Network. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. We have a couple more things to go. As you guys all know, we finish off our shows with the Pens Poll and our shout-outs and call-out segment. But let's get into the Pens Poll, one that was probably our most accessed and most voted upon Penn's poll yet. So thank you to everybody that voted. The question was, would you want Marc-Andre Fleury back in Pittsburgh to finish off his career? I mean, before I say the results, like I, I should have known that by even mentioning his name, I was going to light a fire on Penn's Twitter. Like we got so many comments. We got so many votes, as I mentioned, and it was definitely not one-sided there. It's definitely a split. As far as Penn's Nation is concerned, give me one second to pull up some of the comments that were absolutely Take hysterical. But let's read off the results at least. Hell yeah, won the poll with 54%. So 54% of people say hell yeah. 34% of people say not a chance in hell. And 12% said other. Let me read some of these reactions. At Fiona on Twitter said, in an ideal world, we get him back and Jack Johnson leaves. Yes, I, I completely agree with that. State of Hoppy, as we've mentioned him already, said league minimum, I'll take him all day, which I'm pretty sure a lot of people agree with, with that sentiment. The Bayou Benders, who is the host of the Habs Nightly Podcast, just put the one gif of Meryl Streep yelling and said, he's going to Seattle. And I said, you know what? You're probably, probably right, right, even though he can't go. 
in the expansion draft, as the Vegas Nightly <gasps> guys said to me. And Tom Bra- or Todd Bradley, excuse me, said, I think this is a pipe dream. So there's just kind of a, a representation of the types of responses that we got on that one. Like I said, our most responded to poll question should have known it was going to be. Or what, what do you think about this poll question? It was an interesting one because you always see the guys that sign those those one year, those one day contracts to retire where they started. You haven't seen them as much anymore, at least in recent history. There hasn't been a lot of them. I'm not saying it's appropriate for Flurry of all people in this team and this town and with him. It would be fun for the last year, put him in as a backup role. I'm not even going to say league minimum. You can give him a little over it because we know who he is. And besides, I don't think he's ever going to make league minimum because of namesake. I mean, unless he's literally 45 and still playing goal, then maybe. But he's probably guaranteed at least a million or two per year, no matter what. He's a Hall of Famer. But I think it'd be appropriate. I doubt it will happen. So I'm going to say it's not going to happen just because we don't see those feel good one year deals if we genuinely need a backup goalie in a couple years sure because i'm not saying let it happen right now this year no god no <laughs> please no we can't afford that give it a couple years never i don't know how long his contract is but give it a couple years once that runs out at least then we can have that conversation for real but for now i just don't see it happening uh, a couple is the perfect way to describe the rest of his contract. He has two more years at $7 million a clip as far as cap it is concerned. That's what I would say. If this is going to happen two years down the road, if Casey DeSmith doesn't work out as the backup goaltender, which, I mean, that's the only goaltending thing that is set in stone for the Penguins next yeah. year is Casey DeSmith will be the backup goaltender for the Pittsburgh Penguins. But if in two years that's not working out, Marc-Andre Fleury, his contract comes off the books for the Vegas Golden Knights, or maybe the Seattle Kraken if he gets traded there. That contract comes off the books. He might be looking for one more year left in his career, signed for, at this point, like you said, $1 or $2 million, because that's where league men is heading anyway, and that's what good, decent backup goaltenders are going for anyway, anywhere from the 2 to $3 million cap range. If it's one season to be the backup to either Tristan Jari or Matt Murray, whoever we have left at that point, yeah, bring them back. Let him finish his career where he started. Let him finish his career where he won three Stanley Cups. Whether he was the backup or not, he won three Stanley Cups. And let the flower finish where he started in in the black and gold in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. So I would like to see it happen, but that is like the only caveat. I don't want him at a $7 million cap hit. I don't want him as a starter. I want him as a backup for very, very low cap hit on a one-year deal. Absolutely. And that is it. One year, finish it off. Basically what Matt Cullen did when he came back from Minnesota for that one season. Yeah. And of course, the reason we we tweeted this out and this was last week's poll question. Unfortunately, we recorded early last week because both of us had plans on into the weekend. We did not get to discuss the Alan Walsh stuff, so we're not going to go into it too much. But of course, if anybody hasn't seen it, they're either living under a rock or not following hockey Twitter all that much anymore. Now that the Penguins are out. Alan Walsh, the agent for Marc-Andre Fleury, on Saturday of last week, posted a picture of his client, the flower, making a save with a sword through his back. The insignia on the sword read the name DeBoer, which is, of course, the new head coach for the Vegas Golden Knights, signaling that the new head coach is stabbing Marc-Andre Fleury in the back and not letting him play hockey here in the 2020 playoffs. 
We won't harp on it too much. Like I said, it's it, it's about a week out of the news cycle. What were your thoughts on this really quickly? If you want to find it, I think – I don't know if you were on it yet. I talked about it on the After Hours podcast, actually. I think I said it makes sense that Alan Walsh would do this because I scrolled through his Twitter real quick and saw he just likes tweeting about how great his clients are. So the fact that that kind of picture came out from him makes it's makes perfect sense. It's no surprise. As for people getting on flurry about it, I don't know, man. It, it was all a so, hard situation well, that I couldn't make opinions on. All I could do was just, as a Penguin fan, sit back and watch flurry drama that's not in Pittsburgh for once. Yeah, it was kind of nice. Yeah. People were people were complaining about Marc-Andre Fleury drama, and the Penguins fans just got to sit there and be like, this isn't this is us this time. That's nice. Get the bag Let me of popcorn ask you one question. Going. Do you think Flower knew? I genuinely don't know. I, do I think know. he did. You think? Okay. If you watch the press conference that he had the day after it came out, and the fact that people point blank, especially Wyshynski of ESPN, point blank asked him, did you know it was coming out? All he said was, uh, that's the same question as before, which you didn't answer. It's not a good look on probably one of the poster childs for great off-ice behavior in the NHL. It was not a good look. I think he knew about it. I think it was a moment of weakness for him. Of course, probably being in the bubble, whatever. You want to make excuses. It was a shit move. It was a shitty move. You're not a good teammate after that. I don't. They have back-to-back games. What was it? Yesterday being Saturday and tonight. So we'll see if Flurry plays tonight. Of course, it hasn't happened yet. You guys will know this by the time you yeah. listen to it, but uh, it, it was a shitty move on his part. It was a shitty move on on his agent's part. You have two more years getting paid $7 million a clip. I get that he wants to play, but listen, Robin Lanner's the better goalie. He didn't have this happen to him in Pittsburgh when Matt Murray was the better goalie. So I don't know what's going on in there. I'm still rooting for Vegas. I got my Flurry jersey behind me, but at the same time, not a good look for Marc-Andre Fleury. And Any last thoughts about this? I had one, but I lost it, so I guess not. <laughs> That's fine. Let's head into our shout-outs and call-out segment. You know you make me wanna shout, kick my heels up and shout, throw my hands up and shout. The officiating was awful. My was just terrible. Made ridiculous. Oh, this is just too good. What is your major malfunction? He's a horse. He is just relentless as far as how he plays. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. Shoutouts and callouts brought to you by CoolHockey.com. Visit CoolHockey.com slash THPN. Promo code THPN for 30% off your new favorite NHL jersey. Horwat, it started off so well last time. Let's start out with callouts again. Go ahead. I'm going to make it about Alan Walsh. And for all the reasons we just talked about, I get it's old old news, but you know you want everyone's opinions on it. You want, you want more people from the network's opinions on it? Go to the after hours. I forget where exactly it is in that in that app most recent after hours but we yeah, talked whatever about whatever hour it was before you got there so at least like the first hour maybe go there find more people's opinions on it it's a shitty move for his part i get like i said i get he's you know just always boosting up his clients because that's what he does it is what you're kind of supposed to do so it makes sense but wrong time wrong situation a very brutal way of showing it <laughs> Honestly, the memes that have come out of it have been quite funny. And also, I just want to say that, yeah, it's a very brutal picture, but that artwork was not bad. Some people oh, said yeah, it the was, artwork was fantastic. Some people said it was terrible, but I'm like, yeah, let's take it with a grain of salt. It's a very decent looking picture. And something everybody else was mentioning, at least he's making the save in the picture, right? Exactly. 
<laughs> not not like he's done very often this year, but he's making it in that picture. Yeah, like you mentioned, go to After Hours. Of yeah. course, everybody had their opinion on this. I said I pleaded the fifth at that point because I felt like everybody touched on it already, and I just I I, I didn't feel like talking about it that night because I love Mark Andre Fleury and I'm biased, so uh, I didn't want to make the point there. But go listen to all three hours of the After Hours show from that week. It was a hell of an After Hours show. You can listen to it at patreoncom network. Only a one dollar paywall still, so get in while you still can on that. Awesome prizes are be- being given out as well. And I'm told that there's also going to be articles that are going to be started to get put up there, at least starting in season two, possibly. So keep a lookout for that. My call out this week goes to Nick Ritchie of the Boston Bruins with an absolute scumbag Woo! hit on Yanni Gord of the Tampa Bay Lightning. And as you like to say so apropos, fuck Boston. Fuck and literally, Boston. this is the most Boston move that you could make so late. It's boarding. It's dangerous. And you know what? You're mad. I get it. Your team's losing. Whatever. You were never really on a winning team. You're Nick Ritchie. Like, that's my call out on Nick Ritchie. I hope he gets suspended. When this comes out, he probably will already have been suspended. But at the same time, just screw off. Like, really, there's no need to make that hit. Man, that was brutal. I mean, I saw that he also took a late hit or a boarding call, but... Good. Yeah. Good. Good for him. It's the way it happens, man. Along those same lines, I mean, I'll just go into the shout-outs. I mean, it's on the, in the same series. My shout-out goes to Andre Palat. I mean, he is the most... I mean, if you agree with me, let me know. He is the most underrated nobody, I think, on that team. Now that I think that Braden Point's good, <laughs> I finally jumped on that bandwagon. Stop calling me out for it, State of Hoppy. As he's come up a lot in this episode, and this episode's really just with Isha. Listen, Andre Palat, talk about a guy that's like, oh, yeah, that guy does exist. And there's just another one of the Tampa Bay Lightning, like him and Tyler Johnson. Oh, that that guy is also very good and probably a second liner on any other team. I mean, he has two goals in game four that gives him the three to one series lead, including the game winning goal. OT winner in game two, four total goals this series. Just shout out to him. He's been performing really well for Tampa Bay. And if they're going to want to go and try to win the Eastern Conference final and go and try to win the Stanley Cup final, he's going to have to be on the top of his game, similar to everybody else there especially and even Braden Point, who is a superstar. Mm-hmm. Is Stamkos scheduled to come or set to come back at all? Or is he just out, out? I haven't heard anything on that front for Steven Stamkos. I feel like if they get far enough in the playoffs, he'll probably come back. But I haven't heard anything specifically from the Steven Stamkos front. Okay, so yeah, Pilot stepping up is really good for them then. <clears throat> Excuse me. But you want my call out? My call out's a fun one. The Dallas Stars. <laughs> We're doing shout-outs. I meant shout-outs. You know what I'm saying. <laughs> okay. I was like, you're calling out two people this week. You must be in a pissy mood. Well, I am <laughs> I am pissed off that the Stars are winning. <laughs> but yeah. I'm going to shout them out, get it right this time, Nick, because, by God, they are showing the Avalanche who's boss. Currently, as we record this, they are up 3 nothing in the second period, and it's they're already leading the series 2-1. to one. Boy, oh, boy. Remember whenever I picked the Avalanche? Boy, oh boy, remember when you picked Cal... Oh, uh, you didn't pick Calgary over Dallas, did you? I think I did. Well, I think I you did. just can't read the Dallas Stars, and that's fine. No one can. Of- can anyone no read the Dallas the Stars? They don't score much. They just put up three goals in the first period. They've been averaging, like, three per half game, it seems. Like, they lost... Yeah, but that's the only time they score. <laughs> whenever they lost, they still scored three... They scored four goals. Like... 
I mean, it also helps that Tyler Sagan, Jamie Bed, and Alexander Radulov finally decided to start scoring. Because otherwise, it was Joe Pavelski and Denis Gurionov, and that was basically it in the first series. And then there's Anton Kudobin, who is, you know, stopping everything, except for those six goals the other night. Yeah, and you know, Kudobin rocking the Doby character on the side of his mask, maybe giving him a little bit of Harry Potter powers. But I think that is all for this one, unless you have anything else, Horwat. Go Avalanche, make that comeback. <laughs> I need you. Uh, my Vegas Golden Knights are sitting pretty as we record this, so uh, may might be different by the time this comes out. But don't forget to check out our sponsors at manscaped.com. Use code THPN for 20% off and free shipping. And as I've mentioned several times on this podcast, we are also brought to you by coolhockey.com. Visit coolhockey.com slash THPN. Use the promo code THPN for 30% off your next favorite NHL hockey jersey. You can follow us on Twitter at NickHorwatt41 and at Nick underscore Berlansky. You can also follow the show's Twitter handle at Iceberg Podcast. This podcast can be found anywhere you get your podcast from. Please subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts. Also, leave a review. This week, let us know what you feel about the Kasperi Kapanen trade, and we'd love to read it. And maybe we'll give you a shout-out on next week's episode if you're if you're funny enough or if you just make a really good point. We are brought to you, of course, by the Hockey Podcast Network. You can visit them on Twitter at HockeyPodNet. Or you can visit them at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com. Every team, everywhere. Let's go, Kasperi Kappen.